Ladies, hello. Welcome to the Five Back Podcast. I'm your host, Georgia. I'm an exercise scientist, kickboxer, and the founder of the Fight Back Project, a trauma-informed kickboxing program for women that have survived trauma and violence. If you want more info about that program, I highly recommend hitting up one of my socials on Instagram. I'm at Fightback Project. And on Facebook, you can find me at The Fightback Project uh, because our most recent class openings are nearly all filled. So very, very exciting times for The Fightback Project. Regarding The Fightback Podcast, I started this up because I wanted to spread the message to you women that we can do it better than the boys. Combat sports are amazing for your mental health. They're so empowering and I want you to be inspired to either give it a crack if you haven't already started or be the kind of woman that brings up other women to your level if you already do some kind of combat sport and you've already felt the the benefit to your mental health. Um, So if you're new to this podcast, sometimes I have on experts when we talk about all of the science, the neuroscience, the research related to why it's a good idea to do combat sports for your mental health. And we talk about the different ways that you might go about doing that. Sometimes I have on just amazing women who have been through crazy different things through different martial arts and they come on and share their stories. It's my way of trying to get you guys inspired to see that other people have been through very similar or different but equally difficult things and you know that they've been able to do that by having combat sports or some kind of martial art in their life. So That's what today's episode is. On today's episode, I am interviewing the amazing soul. She's going to tell her story growing up doing judo and then wrestling. And we talk a lot about eating disorders and her battle and her research and what she's found regarding eating disorders. This is a topic that's really close to my heart. Uh, Those of you who know me know that I've battled with losing my period. I've battled with, um, you know, some really bad body image things around the weight cutting in Muay Thai. And I just think the more conversations that we have about how normal it is to feel this way, the better. So I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did. Sol is a beautiful speaker. She's really, really great to listen to. And I'll, I'll let her take it from here. I'm here today with Celine Piercy. I hope I'm saying her name right. She is an American wrestler uh, and I'm going to give the floor straight over to Sol. Can you please introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, thank you, Georgia. Um, as she mentioned, I am Solyn Piercy. I am a four-time All-American and two-time national champ uh, for my college, Menlo College. Um, I recently graduated and I've been wrestling for, I want to say like 11 years now. Yeah, that sounds right. About 11 years now. Um, And yeah, it originally started from my family partaking in judo and my dad got me into judo. Then I fell into wrestling during grade school and the rest is history. Went to college for it. (laughs) All right, let's start at the start. What did you think of judo in the beginning? How old were you? Ooh, great question. Um, I was about eight years old. I think it was third grade. My father 
competed in judo all of his life, um, never actually wrestled. So it was very interesting taking that path. But he was a – he tried to make the Olympic Olympics three times in his judo career. Um, obviously in love with the sport, he put me and my brother um, in judo when I was eight. Did judo up until maybe I was like 13 maybe a little, maybe, maybe 12 was when I stopped judo and really stuck with wrestling. Um, but I loved, I loved judo. It gave me really good background and mat awareness, um, especially for throws. There's a lot of throwing and wrestling. So it gave me a good background there as well. Yeah. For everyone who doesn't know too, because particularly in Australia, wrestling's just, it's not even a thing. It's not really a sport at all. So what's judo? What's wrestling? What's the difference? Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't even know that wrestling wasn't as popular for sport over there. Um, but yeah, judo is a Japanese martial arts. It's, from what I know, the gentle way is what it's translated into. Um, it has arm bars, chokes, throws, but no punching or kicking or jabbing in a sense. It's... Um, pretty much just slight submissions and throws using someone's motion against them. Um, and then wrestling is, I've been told, one of the oldest sports ever created and known. Um, it's, it's very difficult because there's three types of wrestling that I know of. Um, America has its own called folk style, which is what I've uh, got introduced to. Um, it's slightly different than the international style uh, or styles, Greco, which is all upper body wrestling, um, no leg attacks or anything, and freestyle, which is what I wrestled in college. Um, and the difference between freestyle and folk style, um, freestyle, you can get a touch fall pin, whereas like if they touch the mat, both shoulders are down on the mat, that's a pin. Whereas in folk style, or like what I wrestled throughout grade school um that is more like you have to hold them down for three seconds or so and then you get some near fall points like if they're almost pinned you get some points whereas it's a different type of criteria for freestyle wrestling um i hope that did some justice to those sports and i hope that made some sense to everybody listening out there no, definitely so am i i'm correct in saying in the main goal is just to take your opponent from standing onto the ground as many times as possible to get as many points as possible? Uh, right? It's, yes, to pretty much to dominate the mat. Um, and you're correct, trying to take them down, get as many points as possible. Or um, the ultimate way to win is to pin them. Um, then the next set, I guess, or way to win would be by points. Um, in freestyle, they had a mercy rule of if you were 10 points ahead of your opponent, that's an automatic um, tech fall or technical pin is what it would be. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I know. So Kamara Usman's, like, famous for saying that that's the way he liked to win, right, was not by getting, like, the stoppage. He just wanted to dominate them for the 10 points, even if he thought he could get the pin. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, yeah, so in, in Australia, like, wrestling's not a sport that you can do growing up. If for girls, like, all you have is netball, now you can do, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, 
you can do like you know Muay Thai other combat sports but wrestling like we have an Olympic team but it's just Mm -hmm. it's not a big thing here at all I'm always so jealous being like oh we could have grown up doing wrestling and then had these mad you know base skills yeah it's crazy because um like I was fortunate enough to be introduced to the sport while it was already established in high school um they already had like high school state for wrestling girls wrestling um but there's other states that are still trying to, you know, ramp up that program for females. Um, and then, you know, hearing hearing that Australia doesn't really have an enhanced program for wrestling, that that's just mind-boggling to me. But it also inspires me and excites me because that means um, the current generation, the current female athletes in whatever sport we're doing, um, but specifically these mat sports, we're able to be the pioneers in a sense and be able to promote and create a, like a really like friendly and uh, inspiring community for, you know, the younger generations to come. Yeah, absolutely. I think that attitude is so key in being like, how amazing is it going to be in the future that for women, they, they have it easier than what we had it. Cause talk me through when you started when you transitioned to wrestling, I'm guessing there wasn't many females on the team. Yes, you're, you're completely <laughs> right with that. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I remember coming into sixth grade, my first year in middle school. Um, I joined wrestling because kind of just wanted to try it out. My dad was saying it's similar to judo, went into the wrestling room. Nobody, well, the guys, they didn't really want me there. Um, you can kind of sense the the confusion and like animosity in the air because they're kind of like, oh, a girl, why are you here? What are your intentions? Like, are you here in a sense to flirt? Are you here because of your sexuality? Like all these all these questions without even getting to know me as a person. Um, and it was also difficult trying to find um, a partner to drill with. Um, because they would purposefully try to hurt me, not all of them, but there was a handful of them that would purposefully try to um, teach me the wrong technique or hurt me so that I would sit out or like, I I was so prone to bloody noses. It's ridiculous. If I think back, I'd be lucky if I didn't get a bloody nose during a practice. (laughs) So yeah, it, I had I had to get it fixed and everything um, in high school because it was taking away my mat time. Um, but I remember like a lot of the times in middle school, they would just try to make my nose bleed. So I'd have to sit out and not really like practice with them. They would make some snarky comments like, oh, you're trying to prove yourself because you're a girl and like you don't belong in this sport type of comments and attitude. Um so it was it was really hard for me in the beginning um, coming into that environment because from judo, every it was a co-ed sport. My club was amazing in judo. Um, and then coming into a, a room where I was the only female, um, it was very, very uh, stressful. I cried um, and actually quit the first week because of how poorly the, uh, the other boys treated me. And I was too afraid to bring it up to any of the PE teachers or the coaches or any adults because I didn't want to seem like I was 
being a crybaby, which is what some of the guys would call me. Um, and so I remember leaving the room. I told the the coach, like, hey, I don't think the sport's for me. And I remember the next few days I would walk by the wrestling room and just like feel this longing, feel this emptiness. And I was like, no, I, I have to go back in there. I'm not going to let other people try to dictate who I should be, what I should be interested in, what I should pursue. So I remember going back in there, not even saying anything to the coach and just practicing. I remember I had a different type of attitude. I was going to prove to myself that I can be there and that regardless of what anybody says, that if I put in my full effort, that's all that matters to me. Nobody can dictate my story. Nobody can tell me otherwise because I know what I'm there for. Um, and I remember that season is when I upset the varsity or the first string lineup um, person in my weight class. And after that, I, I slowly realized that there were, I was gaining some of the guys' respect. Um, and yeah, it, it was definitely a struggle. But um, the next coming years, I had a few girls on the middle school team with me going into high school. There were also females on the team. Um, my senior year, we had a strong team going in. It was the biggest uh, females team that we had um, that I know of in high school. So it was, it was amazing to see and live through that. How do you deal with like being taken down by guys that are using quite a lot of force? You know, the wind gets taken out of you or they're pinning you and it feels, you know, sometimes when you're with guys and they're just so much heavier, it feels overwhelming. How do you respond to that? Yeah, um, that's definitely something that I had to figure out during high school, especially because in high school, we're at the age where, you know, the bodies are developing more and they're tending to uh, get more, you know, muscle and everything. And um, I remember learning how to use my strengths and my abilities. Um, Females in wrestling are typically more flexible. Um, so I'm able to use my hips more and I'm able to use more leverage. Um, so when, when the guys would wrestle with me, they would come with brute force and brute strength, like you mentioned. Um, and I would take their momentum against them. Um, and essentially I would just redirect their, their energy and their moment to take them down. If that makes sense, I can visualize it. I don't know if I'm doing any justice to trying to explain it. No, I think what you're saying makes so much sense. It's also, I think, a lot harder to do in practice than you're making it sound like. Uh, When you first start doing something like that, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense if I have the timing. But it takes like hundreds, if not thousands of practices before you have the timing right. And it just means you're getting slammed every single time. So that's such an amazing thing for you to have just kept coming back to the mat, back to the mat after dealing with that over and over again yeah most definitely um but it it, with all that practice there's definitely those times where you know with with any type of passion that someone has for I believe that there's always like ups and downs um and doubts um but for me with wrestling I definitely had those moments like well am I able to compete like this um but then again like I mentioned I started using my own strengths I realized what works best for me after getting, you know, slammed every so often. I figured out like how 
one situation, I can do one specific movement and it can change the whole game. Um, and after practicing over and over again, that became in a sense, my move. Um, and I'm able to, you know, make it my own tweak it and, uh, be able to use that against any person, regardless if it's, you know, male or female. Yeah. How did you go transitioning then from always practicing with guys to competing against girls? Do girls wrestle differently? Was that a difficult adjustment? We do wrestle differently from what I, what I noticed. Um, and this happened more so in high school than in college. Um, in high school, I, I practiced with the guys um, on my team and the girls as well. Um, but I want to say my, the end of my sophomore year, um, 10th grade, I injured my shoulder. My rotator cuff was pretty messed up from wrestling one of the better um, guys in a neighboring high school. Um, and my coach decided to have me focus on female wrestling because he knew that that was going to be my way into higher education, into college. Um, and so I remember going from that shift of like brute force and, uh, like got some guys are really, really quick on their feet as well into female wrestling, girls wrestling. Um, there were definitely a lot more throws is what I remembered. Um, a lot more hip movements and flexibility. I remember there's this one match that I had in high school, this one, this one opponent of mine, she was in the splits pretty much for two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's awesome to think back about that. And then, um, not just the, like the actual competition to the environment and the atmosphere. What I noticed, um, and I, I noticed this in college as well, the, the female sport, we're more of a community. Um, I sense like there's no, there's no animosity that I sense at all. Um, like, you know, there's some people, um, that would be like, Oh, this person is my opponent. Uh, I can't be friends with my opponent type of mentality. But in, in female wrestling, I've noticed, especially in college, cause we've all pretty much grown up together and we know of each other through, um, similar connections and mutual friends. Um, but everybody's pretty much like acquaintances and friends and very welcoming and open arms into learning and, you know, like helping each other promote the female wrestling sport. So, yeah, I don't know if that was a tangent from what you've asked me, but. (laughs) No, please. All of the tangents are perfect. Uh, which it, and it kind of brings me to this question too. So why wrestling? Why do you love it so much? Yeah. Um, great question. I love it because for me, it was, I've always been interested in sports and judo I loved, but wrestling, it was a different challenge for me. It really challenged myself physically, emotionally, and mentally and helped me realize like what I stand up for, um, what I believe in. And it also had me realize like, there's so, there's so many life lessons in wrestling and sports in general. Um, but it's that always picking yourself back up, um, and getting back at it again, 6am in the morning, like that routine, that always going after it attitude, um, and just improving myself and those around me. That's what, that's really motivated me and kept drawing me back to wrestling. Um, and every single time I figured out a new 
nuance to a technique or a move, I got, I get so excited. I, I wish I could show you my face right now, but I get so excited just thinking about like breakthroughs that I have on the mat. Um, and it's like being in touch with myself, like in a match, slowing down my thoughts, being able to have that like body coordination matching the speed of my thinking. Um, it's, it's an amazing feeling, the adrenaline. But besides the actual physicality of the sport, um, I love the camaraderie. It's like, I don't know what other way to say this, but like you, if you beat up on someone every day, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, practicing, finishing those sprints, that one move, like crying and all that stuff. I feel like there's no better way for me to build a connection with my teammates than through that. I've in college, I've had so many sisters. Like we've talked about, I, I didn't really grow up in the sport with a lot of female counterparts. But in college, I was able to come into a family of like 30 plus sisters um, and be able to persevere and go through all these intense moments and workouts together. Um, so that that's also one of the things, the camaraderie of the sport is what I love. Yeah, I think you explain that so well. I often struggle to explain to people like how close the connection is in a not, it's not a team sport, right? Combat sports are not team sports, but they are team sports. Just the amount of trust that you have to have in someone to be like, I'm going to go 100% with you, but I trust that you're not going to kill me, you know, and we're going to like be best friends afterwards because we've just been through so much together. It's just amazing. Yeah. Feeling like no other, definitely. 100%. It's pretty tough being away from everyone now, as I'm sure you're experiencing as well. Yep. And how about your mental health? What impacts has wrestling had on your mental health? Great question. Um, it's been a journey. <laughs> so definitely, I've. I think even before, definitely even before I started wrestling or sports in general, I've always struggled with my body image, how I looked like in the mirror. It was never appealing to me um, when, you know, I, I just, I couldn't really like come to love myself in a sense um, completely. And then going through like sports and wrestling, um, it was a little bit more difficult because of the weight management, um, because of the attire that we wear. Um, and then it just, it definitely didn't help that I was a female in a male dominated sport. Um, and you know, some, some people would make some comments about how my body looks like in the singlet, which is what we wear for the sport. It's like a really tight leotard, I guess what it would be. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so it would definitely show like all my curves, you know, some of the, the, cushion on my stomach. (laughs) And uh, I had some comments that people didn't hold back on critiquing me. Um, And it was very hard for me to hear as an adolescent, um, especially already having like, you know, not a strong, healthy relationship with how um, I see myself in the mirror. And I've always been a struggle with, you know, with eating, Um, eating, my relationship with food has never been so great. (laughs) Um, So it's also taken a toll on my mental health 
in that direction too. I developed eating disorders in, I want to say sophomore year is when I started becoming bulimic. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to that, I've never gotten professionally diagnosed, just to throw that out there. Um, But I would skip meals. I would try to um, look like models on TV, look better when I wrestle, look better just in general, so that all those comments would go away. And eventually I would be able to, you know, accept myself and what I look like. Um, So that's kind of where it came into food, me limiting and then the limiting became um, too restrictive for me. So then I'd lash out and eat as much as I can in one sitting. And then the binging became to purging. And then as soon as you know it, I was stuck in this really dark place in this like really dark cycle of just starving, working out excessively, um, binging, purging, excessively working out again, um, and weighing myself maybe like nine times a day. There was at one point in high school, I would, I would purge anything that I ate, um, to the point where like my body was so fatigued. I would feel like I'm passing out the second that I would stand up. Um, looking back on it, it's actually kind of amazing to me how I was able to put up with that routine for so long. Um, but yeah, so the eating disorders, I'm actually still in recovery. Um, I am a full, I want to say like almost five months strong since my last relapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, I'm very proud of myself. I'm very thankful for those who have been my, by my side. Um, I gave full disclosure to my teammates um, the past few years about my struggles because I've noticed that I'm not the only one struggling with body image issues and body image distortion and um, eating disorders and mental health in general. Um, so this past year, my senior year in college, I actually did a research on it. I, it was my senior thesis. I did a student-driven research um, and I called it eating disorders at Menlo College, my school. Um, and what I did was I looked at scholar, scholarly sources and popular media and tried to see the, the findings and um, the reasoning and the, the discovery from the scholarly sources and see how it reflects in popular media. And from what I found, it's, it's pretty scary to see how, how society normalizes certain body types um, and how it's promoted subconsciously. And we, we, people take it in subconsciously, not really knowing um, that we're being fed all these certain ideologies and beliefs that can really be detrimental to our health. Um, and so I, I did that as a paper, but also did a, a questionnaire at my school, very anonymous, confidential. Um, and the feedback, the participation I got was astonishing. It was, I was so thankful that a lot of people um, in my small college participated in this questionnaire. But then also the, the trust factor that people have given. Um, I had some comments that people have said that 
they would punish themselves because they didn't work out that day or they didn't like themselves in the mirrors too. Um, it, it brought me to tears reading some of their, their experiences um, and how they felt um, and what they've been through. Um, but from what all of that to say, eating disorders is a global pandemic. Not, not to joke on the actual like global health pandemic that we're going on right now, like going through with COVID, but um, like it's, I've seen studies of it in all types of countries, all types of body types, all different types of backgrounds, females, males, whatever race, it, like eating disorders don't discriminate in a sense. It, it can impact anyone and everyone. Um, and we don't know and it's hard to be cognizant of it because of how um, media is portraying it. And um, at the end of my, my project, I had a, um, a presentation and I pretty much told them all of my findings, um, my analysis and um, the recommendations. It, it was pretty hard to come up with some recommendations for something so big of scale. Um, as eating disorders, but um, I think the first step is to definitely be having more discussions about, you know, eating disorder and body image and mental health in general. Um, that way, we can create a safe space for people to, you know, discover why they're feeling a certain way or reconnect with people and connect with others who might be going through similar experiences, um, and be able to find other breakthroughs and. Um, recoveries for one or one another um, and I also think with how as bad as media is with eating disorders and all other types of mental health um, it can definitely be used as a way to um, to you know raise awareness and also to connect with others it can be used as a vehicle for good and for positive change um, similar to how like you know sports can be an outlet media can definitely be a way for people to um, find that recovery and be able to heal uh, themselves. Yeah, definitely. There's some stuff I want to go back and dig into because I totally agree. I think the more we share how normal it is to have eating disorders just from growing up in the media climate that we do grow up in, the more people don't have to think that there's something wrong with them or it's just them that feel like this, you know, uh, particularly in any sport where you have to weigh yourself and weigh in, I think adds just an extra layer to that. And then you put in that there's media around that. So like when you've dieted and you've been really at your weakest and then you go and compete, which is, you know, a whole other issue with weight cutting in sports where, you know, we're not setting people up to do their best because they're trying to make themselves smaller. Um, but you know, I think we see so much of people's weigh in photos, you know, like the UFC or other sports, you know, in my sport, we all take, they take lots of photos at weigh in and at weigh in, like, I look like a ghost. I look, I've got like hollow cheeks. Like you can see my spine, like it's so, it's completely not healthy. However, that's what we base, you know, I want a kickboxer body. I want a wrestler's body off of is this like one snippet in time where they've really done damage to their body. And then we compare, you know, ourselves based on that. So 
I want, I'm wondering what are your, what's your plan for when we get to go back to doing sports again and you have to cut weight again now that you're in recovery? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that was actually something I've been thinking about, um, particularly since my junior year of college. Um, I had a health scare with my, you know, my health um, because of eating disorders. Um, mm. And my doctors gave me an ultimatum at one point. They're like, we can't help you if you continue wrestling. Um, and that was devastating to me because I, I love wrestling. I, there, I was like, there's no way. There's no way that I'm giving, giving up the sport. There's no way I can just give up a part of myself like that. Um, and I really had to sit down with myself and ask what was most important to me and see if I can find um, a good ground, like a middle ground for me to be in. Um, so after junior year, I took last summer um, training. I didn't even step on the scale. I took my doctor's advice about not stepping on the scale, just training, eating as healthy as I can um, in the ways of trying to have all the food groups, um, trying to have enough protein, protein after you work out um, so that you can replenish your body. Um, and also it, from what I understand, it kicks up your metabolism um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so trying to really be holding myself accountable for what I ate, um, making sure that I didn't do extensive workouts like I used to. I used to run 10 miles a day um, and then go to mat practice and then run even more after practice. Um, so not to do those extensive, very exhausting draining workouts because it just wear downs your body. Um, I sat down with family, friends, and coaches, um, tapping on all of their shoulders, trying to see what type of workouts I could do to keep myself in shape without draining myself and really trying to focus more on the eating aspect. Because the eating aspect, I think, for me personally, was so overwhelming that it took away from my training. Um, So my mentality going into my senior year, and to get back to your question, um, was to focus on training rather than focusing on my weight. And that was really hard for me to differentiate for a while. Um, And I naturally, the weight started coming off slowly and slowly because I was focusing on my training solely. Um, and thankfully there was a period of time before competition where, um, I could train and I had a little bit of extra time to get to a lower weight. Um, so this past year I took that route of focusing on my training more than eating. And when it came time to actually compete, I looked at myself, my weight, and I realized like, I could go back to 136, the weight class that I won the two national titles in. I could, but at what cost? Like you mentioned, like I could, I could um, look ghostly. I could feel very weak. I, I wouldn't be at my A game. And so I tested out a competition at a higher weight and I realized I felt, I felt amazing. I felt capable. I didn't feel dizzy like I used to. Um, I didn't feel so exhausted or nervous as much as I used to. I felt like I had energy and I was ready to go. 
So my senior year, I decided to move up a weight class. Um, and coming into, back to your question, um, going forward after, you know, the, the world is reopened and up and running again, um, I think I'm going to do the same mentality, focusing on my training. Um, I'm, I'll definitely get more uh, expert help on my food and eating um, proportions and try to get more of like uh, the science down to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I still have to get better at. Um, but definitely like rather than just focusing on my weight itself, I am going to focus more on the training aspect of it and then have food be a supplement to my training, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's easier said than done. That sounds like such a good plan. And I'm so like in awe of slash proud of you for going up a weight class. That's it's, it's not that easy. Like I think you really get in your head, like, Oh, I need the height advantage. Like I need to be at at the lowest weight class possible. Otherwise I'm not going to have success. And it's so scary to test out going up and thinking that, the girls are stronger, but like you were taking down boys. So, you know, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Thank you. Did you find in your research project, like why do we turn to food for comfort? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so in my research project, there were some trends, if you will, or influences um, that I, I found across the scholarly works. Um, and one was being like parental pressure. Um, it would be like coming from a certain background. Um, the scholarly works would say like middle-class affluent families, um, with all like high expectations and high pressures, um, that the parents have or the family or any peer really would have on the individual. Um, they would feel like they're not in control of their life, which leads to another influence because they don't feel like they're in control of their life. They want, people tend to feel like they want to be in control of something Mm -hmm. Um, and food would be the most readily available as it's something that we eat every day, as it's something to sustain life. Um, So the studies showed that people with um, eating disorders, specifically anorexia, which is when Um, one deprives oneself of nutrients for a sustained amount of time where it like negatively impacts the bodily functions and uh, uh, psychology and physio psychophysial, I think is what it was called um, functions of the body. Um, Anorexia was found to be a way that people would feel in control. They would feel in control of themselves because they would be able to, um, defy nature, so to speak. They would defy eating, which is supposed to sustain life. So in that regard, it would be like, I'm above life, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm able to do all like continue living without actually needing to eat to live. If that makes sense, the Mm. body needs sustenance. Um, so that aspect of control. Um, however, I found in my, my research that because of wanting control so much that people tend to lose themselves and lose control because of the eating disorder. The eating disorder unknowingly becomes 
um, bigger than what it seems. Um, and I, I definitely lived through this experience. It felt like I didn't realize how big of a problem it was up until, you know, my doctors were like, you need to make a life choice right now. Like you need to figure something out. Um, so there's that one aspect of control and then wanting comfort. Um, and another thing about eating disorders is kind of like how I mentioned, I, I first started off depriving myself of food, um, restricting so much. Um, and then at one point I just snapped and started eating so much. Um, so those two spectrums kind of go hand in hand is what I found. Um, like people would think they're in control, like feel that they're in control. And then the next day they could break kind of like how I did. And I would binge and purge. Um, so then anorexia would also follow the trend of bulimia for eating disorders. Um, and that would also, you know, be a whole nother monster within itself. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, definitely. I think, I mean, it maybe goes beyond the scope of your research project, but I just wonder why that is that we feel like we need to have control of something. Like mm-hmm. what, what is it like some kind of childhood trauma that we've not healed from? Is there some, you know, like lack of attachment, some poor relationships? Like I I just wonder what it is within ourselves that we feel like we have to control something and like what self-work could you do to just totally let go of that and just live like in the moment without needing to control something? Yeah. And I, I totally wonder the same thing. I should, I should have put this out here before I went on to my research project, but in no way, shape or form am I certified or credible or have the credit for um, like anything in psychology or anything of that nature. <laughs> my research was strictly from scholarly works that I found and that I've explicated, um, but I don't have any psychological background or accreditation towards any of that field, just to put that out there. Um, but no, I, I've, I've wondered the same thing. And I think, I think it's really hard to answer why people would want to feel in control. I feel like everything is one person's journey and one person's experience. It would be hard to put like an overarching, like this is the reason why for everybody, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, I know. That's why I threw it out there being like, I don't think we know the answer. I don't think even the most advanced psychologists or like associate professors in, in psychology really fully know the answer to that question. Like I think our brains are kind of a mystery, but the, the things that we can agree on is that at the moment, the media definitely doesn't help, you know, Mm -hmm. um, our brains are wired for comparison So Mm -hmm. scrolling through social media and comparing, you know, at a rate of probably 20 photos to compare to yourself per five seconds or something like that. I think I'm, I'm not totally sure what the number would be. I guess that also would vary from person to person. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, maybe trying to stop looking at social media, but then also, I think just having more people like yourself in your social media feeds that are openly saying, like, this is a better body for me to have. You know, I'm healthier now. 
you know, there's things like I get my period now, like I didn't before. Amenorrhea is really common in women with eating disorders, you know, when you, you're so skinny that your body just knows that it couldn't possibly sustain another life. That's what I imagine my body used to tell me. Um, so having more role models around is probably like, you know, a good place to start. Most definitely. What advice would you give women interested in starting wrestling? Go for it. Go for it a hundred percent. If if anybody is interested in wrestling or is interested in pretty much anything that you have passion for, don't live thinking what if. Like try it. Um and that's that's something that I, I found out, like I mentioned when I first started wrestling. I tried it and, you know, I, I got faced with some backlash and some adversity and very challenging things as for someone my age. Um, but try it and don't let anybody stop you if that's what you really want to go for it. Um, and I would also say that wrestling is a great, a great path for females. Um, whether you want to just, you know, try the sport and get active or if you want to take it pursue it to higher education, make the Olympic team, make national teams, anything. It's, it's a great sport and it has great camaraderie, great community. Um, it teaches you great life lessons. I've, I've learned so much about myself and I've applied so many things that I've learned off and on the map because of wrestling into my life now. <laughs> I'm working um, a job after graduation. I, I realized that there's a lot of accountability, discipline, um, communication and hard work ethic um, that comes that I can use from wrestling into my everyday life. Um, but yeah, overall, if if you're interested in it, go for it. And, you know, speak up to friends too. You never know. That could be like a, a new way to bond with another person. That's how I was able to um, get a larger group of females in my high school. I started talking to people they were interested, they were kind of nervous, had some reservations like I did. Um, and I was able to make friends that without wrestling, I probably wouldn't have ever talked to in a sense. Yes, I love that. I, we're really big here on this podcast anyway about, you know, if you already do a combat sport, you should think about which other women you can raise up onto your level. I think society wants women to pit each pit women against each other they want to see us like tearing each other down but if you can be an outlier and be the strong one who's like no actually I want to raise everyone up to my level and get everyone else doing this amazing thing then you're going to feel better they're going to feel better and you know it just can only be a good thing yeah I I couldn't have put it in any other way than you have (laughs) talk to women with eating disorders right now I think it's extra difficult or just from people that I've spoken to anyway, where, you know, we're at home, there's so much uncertainty, you know, there's so little that you can control. Maybe you can't work. And the only thing you can control is like your eating. Um, How can we have a healthy relationship with food and how can we love our bodies right now? That's a really, really big question. Um, uh, Definitely. It's, it's, 
I've been seeing news reports and um, or not necessarily news reports, but things on the media. I know we talked about how media is not the greatest at um, promoting eating disorder recovery and awareness. Um, but there was this one source, I can't remember, but I found it on Snapchat. It talked about how eating disorders have actually become more prevalent because of the pandemic, because of everybody being inside, like you've mentioned. Um, and they, they brought in a specialist as well. Um, and I shared it on my, my Instagram. I took screen recordings and posted it, um, and like promoted it for people to watch. Um, but they were pretty much saying the same thing. Like it's not commonly spoke of eating disorders. Um, and the media has so much to do with it. Like how we mentioned, um, people comparing themselves, that lack of control. Um, I believe a specialist actually talked about the lack of control um, and wanting and turning to food as a way to control uh, or feel in control of themselves and have that comfort um, within a time that's so uncertain. Um, so there's, there's, you know, it's, it's been hard definitely for me and some of my, my friends. We've, we talk about it, like our body image and how we feel um, being off the mat for so long. Um, but I think a lot of it comes to speaking to one another. Um, I reached out to family members during, during COVID. Um, and I was able to, you know, connect with them on a new level because I was so transparent. It's, it's very difficult, especially if, you know, it's something that you've been struggling with for so long. I was struggling with it for years. Um, and coming to my family members, my loved ones that I wasn't really telling them the whole story throughout this whole entire eating disorder battle um, and, you know, ripping off the bandaid and being like, Hey, I've been struggling with this for a while now. Um, that was definitely hard, but it brought a new level of um, trust and care. And I found out that others have had similar experiences to what I've had. Um, and just, you know, speaking about those experiences, hearing another perspective, um, and then lifting each other up, understanding that you're not alone, um, that has helped me immensely. Um, and that's what's kept me going with, you know, my recovery for all these months. Um, and I think loving oneself is a journey that everybody um, will have to find out on their own. Um, it's difficult at times, especially when, you know, the world is always comparing one another. Um, and we're so like tied to competition or tied to being the best. Um, but really how I try to put it in my eyes, what's helped me is I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be the best Solin I can be today and be better for tomorrow. So what does that look like from the moment I wake up and from the moment I go to bed? What, what does that version of myself look like and how will I get there? Um, and then knowing that I also realize that I have to take time for myself, really sit down with myself, reconnect with some passions that I've lost throughout the years, um, such as like crocheting or, you know, going on hikes, um, things that I enjoy, things that really make me reconnect to who I was um, before I got swept away and all these other things in life. Um, but yeah, definitely reconnecting with people if you're comfortable um, talking about 
you know, some of those experiences that you have, um, as well as taking time to yourself, being selfish, taking time for yourself to get to know you on a level that others will not understand because at the end of the day, it's you and you alone. Um, and I think that's the most beautiful part of it. Like everybody is so complex. Everybody is their own unique beauty. Um, that when you look in the mirror nobody else can mimic that, that's like 100% original. Um, and that's, that's kind of what helps me with, you know, being locked inside for throughout the, you know, the world's crisis right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing in disguise really. Cause I've, I've, I feel like I've grown up a lot during this time and I feel like I've found out more about myself than I have in years. How can people get more positive role models into their newsfeed? I, how can people connect with you on social media? I'm sure everyone wants to follow you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my social media on Instagram is so soul solin s o s o l s o l i n um so there's one way um and i'm not the only role model to say that i'm out there um there's other pages that i follow let me see if i can pull one up um but there's there's other people that we can follow on instagram there's other people that we can uh google search and find to help us throughout this journey. Um, Give me a second. I'm pulling up this one. Oh, good. And if you think of more afterwards, just send them all to me and then I'll put all the accounts you think people should follow in the show notes so everyone can find them. Yes. I can't believe I can't remember um, the Instagram handle right now, Um, but I'll definitely find it and send it to you after, uh, Georgia. But essentially what this profile does um it's artwork they use their artistic ability to personify their eating disorder um and it shows the the trauma that they went through but it also shows the recovery um and i've been following this person for about a year now and it's very inspirational to me um seeing how like she expresses her recovery um with eating disorder so there's there's plenty of people out there plenty of online communities um, that are there having discussions for eating disorder recovery, for um, any recovery from any mental health, really. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I feel like media is so drowned out in other aspects that it's not as heavily seen. Um, but there's definitely ways out there. There's definitely people and role models Yeah, 100%. And anything else you'd like to share with women listening? To all women out there, I think it's extremely important to love yourself and also support one another. I know that's very vague, um, but like Georgia and I have been talking, especially Georgia, you're you're talking about how I love how you brought it, uh, how like raising woman to your level rising together um that is so beautiful that that to me like is is so impactful and so motivating um just to you know be a positive influence towards those around you um you you never know what kindness uh your kindness can do for others 
on a day. Um, and just being able to stand together as females and rise together, that that is just amazing. It's just phenomenal. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. We are going to wrap it up there. Um, and yeah, I'll probably chat to you on social media and yeah, I'll put in the show notes, those details and some of those other accounts so we can start making our news feeds a little bit more about healing and recovery, um, and joy and love as opposed to comparing ourselves to unreal expectations. Yes. And thank you so much, Georgia, for having me. I'm on this podcast and I love the fight back project. 100% uh, support it. I think it's phenomenal. And I think there should be more, you know, programs out there like yours. Thank you so, so much. And that's a wrap on another episode. So a couple of the Instagram accounts that Sol was referring to there, I've put them in the show notes, but you can look at me and my ed dot art is the one that she's referring to about the girl who draws about her eating disorder and then there's another account that Sol recommends you guys follow which is x-a-n-d-r-i-a-o-o-oi exandria oi Uh, i'll put how to spell that again in the show notes but she's a motivational speaker and of course follow Sol. why not fill up your feed with people that are gonna make you feel better instead of making you feel worse or compare yourself to them On another note, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, this is coming out today on the 12th of August. And if you know me, you know that's my birthday. So could you please do me a birthday present? This is all I want is please review this podcast on Apple Podcast. It means so much to me. If this podcast starts to get reviews, then other women are going to find it. And that's the whole point of the podcast is for women that need to hear this information to hear it. So please leave me a review uh, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, love.